and welcome to uh, episode one of season two of Coffee in a Jar. Uh, you may have noticed that we've been gone for a year, but you know, Seinfeld was was gone for a year, and that uh, that worked out pretty. And I think Family Guy was gone for like five years, and so it worked out well for those shows. Uh, my name is Jay Schreeder, and I'm joined by my co-star. I'm Matt. And uh, like I said, we are we are Coffee in a Jar. And we're going to be uh, this year focusing on the intersection of sports and politics and culture. Also, we want to be very interactive. We want to hear back from feedback from you guys about either show topics or if you want to agree or disagree with something we said. So we want to hear from you. Matt, can you give everyone uh, information? Yeah, so let's run down our contact info as we have in the past, but as Jace alluded to, it's uh, been a little while. So our email address, uh, please do reach out. As Jace said, it's coffeeinajarpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is coffeeinajar.home.blog. And you can find this and all our other exciting podcasts at anchor.fm slash M-A-T-T dash K-O-C-H. Or you can really find our podcasts anywhere. Fine podcasts are available because we're um, pretty much spanning all of the major podcasting venues now where, where this is distributed to. That sounds very official funny. when I say distributed. It's funny. We have no idea how they got there. So if you were the, the kind hearted stranger who did that, thank you so much. Well, I think, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I think Anchor automatically just sends it across to other platforms. All right. So we should move along to today's events. Uh, some of you Luckily, may. Luckily, nothing, nothing big has happened this past year. Been very yeah, crazy. nothing nothing really of note. There's there's not a lot to catch up on. Um, there's there's no. nothing going on in politics, nothing going on no. in world events. Uh, some no. of you may. The police may, have been behaving. Yeah, the police have just perfection as, as always. Some of you may, though, have become familiar with a little-known illness that, that has been traveling the world, I believe, is was named after a, a Mexican beer. So uh, yes. we, we did want to get into that a little bit today. The Dos uh, virus. Yes. I, I don't always get sick, but when I do, I prefer the Dos Equis virus. <laughs> All right, anyway, enough tomfoolery. Uh, Jace tuned me into a, an article uh, through Sports Illustrated, and I'll let you go ahead and say a few words about that. Sure. Uh, it was written by uh, Richie Witt, who uh, locally used to write for the, the Dallas Observer. And uh, just he does a lot of uh, great work. I think he, one time he was a, maybe a beat writer for the, the Mavericks. A good summary of his article is just that he thinks, regardless of safety issues, that we should cancel all sporting events until at least 2021 because it's giving people the false impression that the uh, coronavirus is going away, that numbers are going down, when none of that is true. So he feels that, that we have to uh, really, that we have to get people to, to see the truth, that we're going to have to take it to the heart of one of our American pastimes, which is sports. And uh, I got to say, I, I think I, I very much agree with him because I don't see, sadly, I'm seeing too many people not taking it seriously, including our, our leaders who are, uh, not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I know we live in Texas, and our, uh, our governor a few weeks ago, well, many about a month ago, he reopened uh, all the bars in Texas, and then he complained a few weeks ago when the numbers were going back up and 
uh, or blaming young people for not taking it seriously. But uh, I, I feel that since he was not taking it seriously, he was setting a, a bad example for them. Lord knows I would love to sit down and watch a game that wasn't from 1985 on TV right now. But I, I think we have to I think we have to do this and other things to find ways to get people to realize this is still very much a threat. Yeah, and just to recap, the state of Texas reopened in phases, as most states did in one form or another, and that started with uh, 25% occupancy at yeah. restaurants and then 50%, and um, I think around that time, then bars were allowed to reopen. They were behind restaurants uh, in terms of uh, what percentage of their indoor space could be open. Uh, and then we've recently had a, a rollback of that and bars are closed again and restaurants. At first it was going to remain at the a 75% capacity that they got to. And I don't know about you. I, I haven't dined in at restaurants in, in months, so I haven't no, seen this no. too much, but when I have been in just to pick up takeout, once we got to that 75% threshold, it looked to me a lot like 100% inside. I didn't see a lot of management really adhering to that rule. And then it rolled back and, and it's back down to 50% now, right? And bars are closed. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay, so just to kind of recap where, where we are. And I um, would even it, say in the, the neighborhood I live in, there's a bunch of restaurants um, around my apartment. And uh, just walking, during when, when was it the 50%, just walking by those, it uh, didn't appear that they were adhering to the 50%. And uh, I would see a lot of wait staff without masks on. You know, that reminds me, we should clue everyone in as to where we are recording from because... Yeah. Uh, back in the, the good old day and during season one, we, we did all our recordings at the Eric Johnson downtown Dallas library. They, they have a podcasting room in there. We were sometimes allowed in, sometimes not, but one way or another, we got the job done. They would allow us in somewhere begrudgingly sometimes, uh, but we cannot do that. Sometimes it's the exit door. Yes, yes. Sometimes we had to go out into the stairwell and record. Yes. No, but so yeah, so I'm I'm recording from Dallas and Jace. Where where are you in the world? I'm in a secret bunker. Now I'm in a, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, it would be much more exotic if you could say Zimbabwe or something. But yeah, just you know, spanning the uh, DFW Metroplex. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, going back to the article, going back to this idea of what role sports has in this. That uh, this is a double-edged sword, right? You have people on the one hand saying, "Well, we need sports." Uh, I've heard that especially in regard to the Major League Baseball season that we need that. We need the rhythm of the game. We need that just to kind of center our lives. We need something to return the sense of normalcy and an American identity. Uh, but this article, as Jace described, is going a little different direction, saying we need sports to be a symbol of how serious this is and to, to show us that we need to shut it down. So I guess like so many things that we're having to come to determinations about lately, there's a cost-benefit analysis, right, of, of is the, the cost of shutting down, um, or I guess we could look at it the other way, the, the cost of not shutting down going to outweigh the benefits of reopening things or that return to normalcy in whatever avenue that is, whether that's sports, whether that's um, business and, and people returning to work, whether that's other forms of entertainment, eating, 
all those kinds of things. So you're saying that you agree with the article and, and are more on the side of let's let's play it safe. But right. what what would the other side do? Do you see the the other side of that argument at all? I do in a way because what you're saying that it's, it's a comfort to people right now, and I, I could see that in these these times where you know, throw normal out the window, and I, I see people wanting because it's weird. Like we are, it seems like normally in times when we're stuck in a house, like around. Christmas time, you know, you have bowl season. And I know in a few weeks, uh, as of right now, it looks like uh, basketball and baseball will re be returning. And I'm sure, like I said before, I'm sure it'll, it'll be a great relief from people to not to watch games from 20 or 30 years from ago. And it'll, it'll give, you know, people a sense of comfort, which can be a good thing. But, uh, you mentioned about back to normal. I was hearing an interview with uh, Dr. Lori Garrett. She's a uh, ophthalmologist, uh, very well-respected one. Uh, she wrote a book back in the 90s uh, warning people that a, an epidemic was coming eventually and that we not only need to prepare ourselves health-wise but also economic-wise. Sadly, no one listened to her. But anyway, she was basically saying uh, that she felt, I cannot remember the, the term now, but it's a disease that cannot be eradicated. She felt that uh, corona was in that category now the flu is also in that category, so it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that necessarily the, the death rates are going to stay the same. But she said until we can get a vaccination or even, you know, right now, I don't think people realize this. There's not even really medicine to treat it with. There's no real medicine uh, for this right now. But anyway, until we can find uh, uh, those things. Our commander in chief would <laughs> beg to differ. Uh, I believe yes. he has advocated for a hydro hydroxychloroquine. Yes, yes, and Lysol, I believe. Yes. Uh, as well. And by being uh, until, and, until we can find those things, we're not going to see life as normal. She even said that she herself is a baby boomer, and she was saying there's a good chance for the rest of her life wearing masks in public will just be a thing. So I think we need to, I think we need to find ways to get people to realize, hey, this isn't going to turn around soon. We need to, we need to take this more seriously. We need to be wearing masks in public. We need to try to be staying home as much as possible. Otherwise, as she was saying, what we're going to, what's going to happen is it's going to like, the numbers will die down for a while and then life will return to quote unquote normal for a little while and then they'll spike up again and we'll have to start shutting everything down again, going back into quarantine. So I think we need to, I think we just need to send the message that, hey, this is not, this is not the flu. Yeah, I keep hearing compared to that. This is a, a whole new ball game. And until we start taking it seriously, we're not going to see normal again. And would it be fair to say though, that that's probably an opinion that is a well-informed opinion, certainly, but, but still one that's pretty far toward one end of the spectrum. Uh, not to discount it, but I, I haven't heard too many people discuss it in terms of for the rest of their lives, permanent changes. You hear some vague talk of a new yeah. normal, but it does seem like you, you get a range of opinions and, and that you is do. certainly within the normal range, but it's maybe a little more to one end of it. Because I think there are the other side of it, even those who would go pretty far to the other side, and I don't mean political sides, I just mean in terms of optimism right, as, right. as how we're dealing with this, Views um, on the disease. Yeah, yeah, of, of just kind of the, the prospects of our response to it and how we're doing uh, with our numbers. Uh, the, the other side would be, well, look, by early 2021, 
by January, February at the latest, we'll likely have a vaccine. Most people will get it pretty soon after, and that'll create enough herd immunity that things can pretty much go back to normal with, with maybe some people for another year or two, if they're in a high risk group, being careful, um, even if they've had that vaccine, um, until enough people have been inoculated or have antibodies where then it kind of, you know, dies out. But, but essentially things by less than a year from now, by next spring, will be pretty normal. I mean, you do hear that opinion, too. Yes, and uh, like you, but you brought up the vaccination, and that's the game changer. And until we get that, I don't know that things will we'll see normal as we now, maybe things will get closer to the way they were in the early part of this year, and how they've been most of my life. Uh, but until, until we get the vaccination, life's going to be severely different for a while. Yeah, and of course, I'm giving... January, February 2021 is a vaccination date. There's nothing in the no. stars that says we'll have a vaccine by then. And some people that's say just that's the earliest that it, that it could happen. Yeah. And, and of course it could not happen or it could prove that a vaccine is just not a fruitful venture for this particular type of virus that they don't really know yet from, from what I hear. But I, I want to read one piece of Richie Witt's article. He says, Trust me, I get it. We want sports. We crave normal. We're sick and tired of being told to be scared of being sick and tired. Problem, COVID-19 will tell us when it's time for sports, not vice versa. And that does seem to be a pretty reasonable outlook that, that we can't try to reopen. We can't try to return to some sort of normalcy as, as much as we might feel like we need that. Uh, on our own schedule. Uh, we talked about the phases that Texas reopened under earlier and how that kind of got turned on its head because we just sort of created a man-made schedule for those phases right. that weren't necessarily aligned with, with science. And well, well, and it's, it's funny about that because they were man-made, but they were also supposed to be checkpoints involved. Like, well, if, if our numbers go down this much, then we'll move on to phase two. Uh, and that got again, ignored. Right, exactly. Yeah, it ended up becoming a very politicized type of move yeah. of we've got to get back to work, we've got to move on in, in this schedule. I do want to just play devil's advocate here a little bit, okay. though. Um, and I'll, I'll take this back to sports eventually. But, but first, let's just think of the, okay. the broader picture. Because uh, I mentioned the cost-benefit analysis. And, and, I mean, we do have to consider that there are costs to not living in a normal type of world sure. as well. That the sure. costs aren't only there due to the, the virus. Um, and this occurs in terms of uh, economic costs um, of people who are for long periods of time. I mean, if we're really looking at for some professions, uh, years uh, of them being either unemployed or underemployed, where they can't really right. get the same kind of hours, the same kind of business to, to be profitable. Uh, there, there's that fact. And I don't want to harp on, on economics too much because I think that, that sometimes we act like that's the only thing. There's also the, the issue of the children uh, who may be safer going to school physically. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, this right, is another right, right. issue that, that's been kind of politicized and I don't want to I don't want to think of this through a political lens just for, no. for once here. I want to think of it just in terms no, it's, of it's, uh, it's, discussions outside of that. That's another problem. This is public health and it somehow mm -hmm. became a political issue, which is not going to do anyone any good. Yeah. So there's the issue of children who are safer at school because at home they're, they're, they're not getting the, the same kind of care and attention. Some of them are facing neglect. Some of them are facing abuse. Some of them can't 
They don't have safe adults in their life to, to tell about things going on in the homes. They have no escape yes. from the home. There are also some uh, pediatricians and child psychologists who are concerned about an increase in depression, and even suicide rates. It, it is more complicated than just saying, well, the safe thing to do is to shut everything down. Now, if we return it to sports and think about Witt's article uh, and this issue that, that we're thinking about here of, of when to reopen things, yeah, I, I don't know how much a return to being able to watch a, a live ball game on TV is some kind of medicine for the soul for us. Uh, there's something to be said for that, but in, in terms of sports, that that does seem like it's something that is not a necessity. And I say that as a, as a big sports fan, but there's a reason that when you're in high school, it's an extracurricular activity. That, that word extra right. does right. mean something. Right. And I do feel bad for um, high school kids right now, especially the ones last year who had all their, their spring sports camps. You only get so many years to participate in that. And especially if you're senior, that was your, your last shot. And uh, it's, it's still kind of up in the air as to what's going to happen with high school football this year. So I, I do feel really bad for those kids right now. But at the end of the day, you'd rather be alive and disappointed and dead because you were happy for a few minutes. You know, it's interesting about the, the economy. And I, I agree with what you were saying. But um, the interview I saw, the doctor pointed out how, and I've been saying this for a while, how governments all level, federal, state, whatever, uh, should all be helping, trying to help their citizens right now. And the fact they're not, that's one reason why we're in the straits we're in. Uh, some people believe that uh, Governor Abbott went, at, went ahead with these phases, the reopen things to keep people off the unemployment uh, payrolls for the state. Yeah, uh, and, and there were uh, a lot of people who were claiming foul that they were better off being on unemployment uh, versus returning to some very scant work hours where they weren't able to, to make much of a living anyway, given the social state of affairs. So it's, it's complicated to see any of these things in isolation. Right. Um, and it, it does seem like there, there is a way that that government could be on the, the side of the health professionals and the public interest and could support it being okay for us to have a continued lockdown. And I, I do wonder if, just like we saw with the phased reopening that I would call largely a failed reopening <laughs> in Texas, since or our numbers recently, especially in, um, well, all over the, the major cities of Texas, but especially in, in my county of Dallas County, that the numbers have been astronomical, the positive coronavirus test results and uh, more so than they were during the supposed peak in uh, back in April. Uh, so that, that's why I'd say it seems like an unmitigated failure here as far as that goes. And I, I wonder in terms of sports, are we facing another kind of important fork in the road where we can say, all right, let's just plunge onward with sports and, and just do it and say, this is something we got to live with, but we got to live our lives. Or do we say, hey, we might be better off having sports if we delay having any sports rather than trying to do some half-assed version of them or, or some modified version or something, would it be better just to kind of delay everything to just forego the whole fall of, of sports, especially amateur sports, college sports and high school and whatnot, uh, but maybe even pro too, would it be better in the long term to do that 
and then in the spring be able to return with everything in a better, more solidified position to, to re really return to normal then. Is that the smart move? I would think so, uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, from a, from a PR standpoint, I mean, your, your league or uh, conference doesn't want to be known as the, the one or, or you know, your team doesn't want to be known as the one that had a bunch of players test positive or a bunch of fans who got sick for uh, attending a game. Or, or we're learning now that, um, I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about this later, but we're learning now that um, colleges, college athletic departments for years uh, have been actually kind of telling the truth when they say we're more of a nonprofit than you realize. Uh, apparently they don't save a lot of money and they totally uh, either reinvest in the athletic programs or invested in other parts of the school. And for them to have a modified season, I think could really hurt them when they could possibly have a, a full season uh, in the spring, especially a modified season without fans. Because unlike pro sport, who apparently, yes, they'll take a hit at not having fans there, but they have TV money, so they'll be okay. And apparently with, with colleges, it's not enough. Uh, just for the TV money, they actually need people in the stands. So I think for them, yes, instead of having a modified seven-game schedule without fans, it'd be much better if they could wait and see if they could do a full schedule in the spring. I don't know if everyone is aware, but a lot of conferences uh, in college athletics have TV arrangements where their broadcasts are, are only getting really a, a, a tiny percentage right. of the ratings in, right. in their local market and may only, in, in a lot of cases, are only available through uh, Facebook Live or, or some kind of streaming right. service. And, and we see the, the big money college athletics on, on TV, but that doesn't really constitute the majority of yeah. college sports, uh, even the ones that are the, the major revenue sports of um, football and basketball. With those, so many are an added perk by having those those games broadcast, but but yeah, having thirty thousand, forty thousand, however many fans in the in the stands is really the the big money maker. And having those season ticket right. uh, prices, having the the mandatory donations that often come along uh, that are required to, to purchase those season tickets, the the revenue from concessions out there, all of those kinds of things. Um, and so yeah, it, it could be that it would be better to delay that to the spring rather than trying to do a watered-down version with no fans in the fall. Now, there is no guarantee that things would be ready for fans in the spring, but maybe in, in, there's at least a chance. There, there is no chance right, that we're right. going to have a vaccine by September. There is a chance that we could by January at least. Right. Uh, by that point, you know, like, okay, maybe we could go with some kind of modified season, or you know, maybe without fans would be better than nothing but as of right now we know for the fall that's not looking too bright so at least give your chance yourself a chance for the winter and see what happens so we should bring up the important decision that came down regarding college athletics and the various conferences that are members of the NCAA the Ivy League kind of spearheaded what I think and, and I think we agree on this, is, is probably going to be the trend that other conferences are going to follow in announcing yesterday that they would, uh, they have officially delayed all of their fall sports uh, and that those will be in the spring. 
So is that what you think is going to happen, that it's going to be a domino effect with other conferences following it, suit? You know, it's, we owe so much to the Ivy League because they, they created, uh, well, they created college sports for one. They also opened the door for, they helped create the uh, FCS level of football, which I think we all can agree was, was needed. And uh, people forget this, but they were the first conference back in uh, the spring to cancel their uh, their conference basketball tournament uh, because of Corona. And at the time, everyone kind of laughed and said, oh, they're overreacting. They could have done it without fans. Well, then just a few, I think it was only three or four days later when uh, the NBA shut down and then every other conference shut down their conference tournament and the NCAA canceled the whole NCAA tournament. Uh, so I think this is another this is another thing, a way that they have opened the door for other conferences now. I think they will eventually all follow suit. I know, right, uh, just today, the Big Ten announced they're not doing any uh, non-conference games, and uh, supposedly the ACC will announce something similar soon. But I think they're just trying to, uh, to buy some time. Uh, they're hoping something will change. But, yes, I think everyone will once again be following the Ivy League's lead again. So I'm a little bit of two minds uh, on this once again. I do recall, as Jace mentioned in the spring, but during the beginning of March Madness when Ivy League canceled their basketball tournament. And, and yes, it, it was viewed at the time as this overreaction. And I want to say within 48 hours, I saw an article about this the other day. I think it was within 48 hours that everyone else had essentially canceled theirs. And um, it was uh, Rudy Gobert, right, who tested positive. Um, yeah, his, after he touched uh, all those microphones. <laughs> yeah, after he infected made a, bunch a of clown of himself there. Yeah. Uh, and so it, now, looking back, it's like, oh, the Ivy League, they had the foresight to, to recognize that this is not going to go well. The smart thing is to shut down. And they did that and led the way, maybe inspired others to do something that I think everyone looks back at and says, yeah, frustrating, but it was the right thing to do. Probably a lot of conference commissioners out there